This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we are bringing you knowledge from outside the insurance industry we are bringing you miss tanya dalton and she's going to talk about finding purpose and what you do for a living and how to work more effectively and efficiently prioritizing your day and she is well known all over the country if not the world from publishing her books speaking and was most recently on the today show Kyle, she wasn't like you. Kyle, Kyle was on the Today Show, but he was shirtless with something painted on his chest, and they got the camera <laughs> off of him. So anyhow, Tanya I was not Power shirtless Group. on the no. Today Show. Yeah, <laughs> not 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 on the not on the Today Show. Maybe the View. Not this <laughs> most recent one. Yes, <laughs> maybe the View. There you go. So, give everybody a little bit about your background, Tanya, before we start getting into your your books and in sort of what your your area of expertise is. Because I am very interested. I need all the help I can get. Yeah. Well, this is what I love about talking about productivity is I've never met someone who says nope. I'm productive enough, don't need any more information, right? Because we all could stand to be a little more productive. So, you know, I came into this world of productivity because I started my first business back in 2008 with 50 bucks. Supposed to be this little side business I did on my own. Grew that within a year to absorb my husband's MBA income. So he came, started working for me in 2009. He's been working for me ever since. Uh, and I was really happy with the fact that it allowed me to, you know, have have a thriving life where I was going on great vacations and buying a big house and doing amazing things. And then in around 2012, 2013, I made the decision that I wasn't really happy. It wasn't really fulfilling me. It wasn't giving me the meaning I really wanted. So I decided to shut down that first business. I opened up Inkwell Press Productivity Co., and I scaled that to seven figures in less than 18 months. And wow. I did that with three employees, me, my husband, John, and one part-timer. So I really believe in true productivity and doing what matters instead of trying to you know, do all the things, really honing in and finding what moves the needle and then leaning in on that. And that's what I think creates a thriving business, but also a thriving personal life because None of us go into business because we want to work 80, 100 hours a week. 
We go into it for the freedoms. And that's what I get people to find is financial freedom, time freedom, lifestyle freedom. That's why we do what we do. Yeah, I think I think it's too easy to get distracted today too, right? Like we just were oh, yeah. talking to somebody else on the uh, couple recordings ago earlier today that um, is a marketing person. And what was it, Kyle? She said that you see roughly 3,000 brands every 3, single day. 3,000 brands a day, which I thought was crazy. I mean, until I, she started pointing out all the brands behind yeah. Kyle, you know, <laughs> right. and even, even like, yeah. even if I do it, like I can put it up. Those are all my brands. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few brands behind me, my books. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say your books are back there. And so like, literally we're just 15 seconds in and have identified a dozen different things. So mm-hmm. 3000 doesn't seem unreasonable, but it, it's not just that it's the fact that, you know, if all we were doing was seeing brands of, of different things we could buy, that's not really a distraction because we, I, I feel like we're filtered to, we're programmed to filter that stuff out at some point, which is why right. from a marketing perspective, you got to do more than just brand awareness. There's got to be things that speak to people where they want to be spoken to, but throw social media in the mix. And now you got a distraction, right? Like you could, I could come in with every great intention of getting my day going in the morning. I could have a work list out. And the next thing you know, I'm going to see the little girl that's seven years old singing ACDC on America's Got Talent. (laughs) And I'm on the rabbit hole for the rest, you know, the rest of the morning at this point. Yeah, it happens to everyone. It happens to all of us. It really does. We're bombarded by distractions. Yeah. And so I'll tell you, I paid a chunk of change to have someone come in and do productivity training here at the agency. I thought it was valuable. It was worth the money that I spent, but I could honestly, and I, I mean, no disrespect toward you, because I know you're getting ready to take us all to the woodshed on this, but I could have boiled down everything she taught us in two days by simply saying, remove yourself from the distractions. Like seriously, that's I could have boiled the whole thing down. Now, that's mm-hmm. not as easy as it sounds, but putting your phone in do not disturb when you have time intentionally scheduled to work so that the phone doesn't ring that mm. removes the phone is the distraction, but you also need to shut off the audible notifications on your email, your text messages, and you know, your cell phone and all of that. So that when you're there to focus on working, you're literally there to focus on working and then how we did it. And I, I'm going to paraphrase Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we got 10 minutes on every hour you work for 50 and then you get 10 you go you listen to your voicemails Clean return out your, your inbox. emails yeah shut it down and you're right back after it again and you don't do that for all eight hours of your work day but those days when you need to be focused on a <clears> task <throat> you simply can just shut things off remove yourself from the distractions and mm-hmm. that that has made a huge difference for me personally so well especially I mean, as much as you know many many spinning plates that you got going on. I mean, much more than I do or, you know, anybody else at Florida risk for that matter. But I I agree for sure. Yeah. So tell us it's not just that easy. Tell us there's more. You've written two books on it. You certainly didn't write two books if you could do it in three words. It's true. (laughs) It's true. I mean, but that's like saying dieting is as easy as don't eat a lot of food or work out. Right. Yep. A lot of it is that mindset. It's that belief that we have to be everywhere or we have to do everything. So the distractions aren't just the technology, although that's a big one. The you're walking the, right down the, the road. I right down the road I was sending you on. You're going exactly where I wanted you yep. to. So this purple. Well, I think that's the thing is this is what I love to tell people. 
What I teach is small, huge movements. They're simple to implement, easy to manage, but monumental in the impact it makes. Most of it is mindset. It's really understanding what your priorities are, where you want to spend your time, and then doubling down and investing in those areas. The distractions aren't just your phone beeping at you. It's the neighbors who are asking you to do, you know, do things. The, the people at the soccer field while your kids kicking the ball, asking you to do, do things for, for the schools. And right, we have all these different distractions and we're pulled in all these different directions. So yes, it's as simple as saying, hey, don't have any distractions, but that's like saying, let's go ahead and live out in the middle of the woods with nobody else around us. There's a lot more to it. And truly what it comes down to is the choices. That's what I think productivity distills down to is the choices. You get to choose how you spend your time. Time is time. I recently did an Oxford talk where I talked about the fact that time management is a lie. We spend all this energy, all this effort trying to manage time when time is like waves at the ocean. They just keep coming right? You can stand at the ocean and go, hey, I'd like to float for a little bit, but those waves just keep coming. And if you expend all of your energy trying to manage those waves or trying to manage time, you're wearing yourself out. All you can manage is how you choose to spend the time, how you choose to spend the activities that you do within that time frame. So that's one of the big things is let's let go of time management, trying to control time because there is no controlling time. Let's instead choose where we want to focus, and then spend more time on that. Never been accused of making good decisions for my time. So here we go. It's not as simple as I thought it was, Kyle. No, I mean, I do. I, I, I would tell you that if you were to look, and it's funny because I was sitting in church one Sunday when I was probably a young adult by then, I was actually paying attention. Um, and, the, and the pastor <laughs> said, the pastor said, you know, I can tell you what I need to know about somebody by looking at two things, their checkbook and their calendar. And I took that to heart. And I do think that that is um, somewhat accurate. You know, I mean, I would think that if you, you don't know me, if you were to go to my Facebook profile, I feel like you get a pretty good idea where my priorities and my time are because I share it socially, but my family is number one. There is nothing that comes before me having time with my wife and my kids ever. Um, you know, the, certainly I own my, my company and in the brands that are associated with that. And that is a, a very close number too, but it will never surpass my wife and my kids. Nothing in the world will in my activities and everything I do dictates that I probably need to do a little bit better of having more effective and intentional time with them because a lot of that time is just going through the motions and doing the things that we do you know, I'm really, really good about it with my wife because we do have our youngest son and we have four kids, three, three boys. And then my baby is my little girl who's what, 10 now going to be 10 this year. And so with, because of Ethan and his neurological issues and the amount of stress that it puts on our relationship, there is a non-negotiable long weekend, every quarter scheduled for us just to simply get away and decompress. Because if we can't go do nothing somewhere, except just literally hang out with each other, then our marriage is going to be absolute trash in a matter of, of months, seriously, just because it's that stressful. And we fell in love for a reason and got married because we loved each other. So you kind of want to go spend time with her. I do a really good job of it. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I do a really good job of it. I too, I think with, with my kids, 
uh, but I'm not as consistent with them. But I mean, four kids is a, is a, a bit much when you're looking for a few hours on a weekly or every other week basis just to give them one. Not that I only see my kids weekly or every other week, but one on one focused time. And you have to get creative with that. But that's something that's really important to me because I know how important it is to them. So I do things like um, with my my middle son, he loves when I take him to the diner around the corner from the house for breakfast because they will give him spaghetti and meatballs for breakfast before <laughs> school. And that's what he wants. And I ain't even going to argue with it. If that's what he's going to eat, I need him to continue to put on weight. With a, and get with a, with a side of Pepsi. Yeah, seriously. But <laughs> every Wednesday morning before I take him and drop him off at school, we get up earlier. We go. We have breakfast at the diner. That's our time to have our conversations back and forth. And that happens like clockwork. My my youngest son is probably the most difficult just because of the of what goes with it. But even with him, I know how much he pays attention to when I'm not there because I also travel and speak quite a bit. And so this year I just decided, you know what? Screw it. If these people can't handle him being there, then I don't need to go back and talk. So I took Ethan with me and uh, he he went to Dallas with me last month and he stole the show. Like everybody knew who he was because they all follow me on socials. So they were like people were waiting for Ethan to come in so they could go introduce themselves to him, which is just absolutely blows my mind. That's mm -hmm. even a thing. But, you know, I do think you're right, though. I think that that. that um people sometimes maybe don't have their priorities in order. And I want to clarify what I'm saying with that, because having your priorities in order doesn't mean I'm not saying your priorities need to be the same as mine. I said, yeah. I'm, I'm saying you need your priorities to be in order, right? Mm -hmm. Mine are in order right, because what's important to me is what's at the top of my list. So understanding other things are not going to get done. I think I could argue that I do have a uh, productive life in that aspect. I would say it sounds like you're very well boundaried because you create these boundaries and these containers of time where you're really leaning in. So I think one of the big things is honestly, people need to understand your business is not the goal. Your business is the vehicle for the life you want. That's what allows you to be able to spend more time or more money or do those things. And a lot of times we get confused and we end up spending a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of energy in our business when really what we want to do is spend it with the people that matter most to us, whether that's our friends or our family or passion projects outside of our business. So I love that you are really intentional with it because it does require intentionality. It requires choosing that to actively block off on your calendar that, hey, you're going to take a long weekend with your wife. You have to decide that ahead of time. That's a choice. Right. And two, with bringing your your son with you on your trips, it's it's setting those boundaries for yourself. So that's one of the things I really like to encourage business owners to do is decide what are those boundaries? You know, your hours of business and your hours of availability are not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. A lot of people find that maybe they're really productive and they love to work late at night or they like to get up really early in the morning. So those are hours where you're working on your business. You're not necessarily available to your clients. And I think there's a really big distinction there. Because when you make yourself available to clients at, let's say, 1130 at night, because, hey, you like to work at 1130 at night, you're replying to emails, you're sending out notes, doing things like that. You're opening that door. You're saying, hey, feel free to contact me during this time. Right. right. So then what happens is 
couple of weeks down the road, they reach out at 11 o'clock at night. You don't respond. They're frustrated and you're irritated because they've overstepped your boundaries when you haven't done a really good job of really setting that line of where those boundaries begin and where they end. So I think it's really important to communicate that for you. If you're taking off, well, personally for me, I don't work on Fridays. I do a three-day weekend every week because that's a priority for me. Fridays are my day to spend time in my personal life. I have a three-day weekend all the time. So I don't do things on Friday unless I think it's really fun work that I'm really passionate about. I make sure that's communicated to my clients. I make sure that's communicated to my coworkers, to the, to the people on my team, all of it, everybody knows because I've communicated that. So really making an effort to communicate what your boundaries are. Hey, Wednesday mornings, I come into work late. I don't come into work till 10 because I'm going and having spaghetti with my son for breakfast. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a funny story and people want to know that. I mean, truly the clients and customers that you work with, you want them to be people who appreciate that you have values that you live to, that you have priorities, and that for you, family is one. And quite frankly, in my opinion, if you have a client or a customer who doesn't like that you come into work late on Wednesday because you go have spaghetti breakfast with your son, get lost. That's probably not your ideal client, right? Yes. Yeah, they, they definitely not would not they never make it into my book. They would right. never make it right. into my book of business. So in a way it acts as a filter, right? It filters out those clients that are not for you. And I think that's a big mistake a lot of business owners make is they feel like, I want to sell to everyone. And the truth is you don't. You want to sell to people who really align with how you want to live. And when you find those relationships, they're amazing. You enjoy working with them. They enjoy working with you. And that's when work becomes magical. Let's be honest. That's when work no longer feels like, oh, work. It feels like, oh, I get to go to work and I get to be with amazing people who get me, who like that I live my lifestyle the way that I do. So where do, where do you think, well, I, I guess I've got two questions and I guess we could probably ask both of them at the same time. Where do you think most people stumble, number one, and where should most people start to figure out how to get the train back on the tracks? Well, I think that's a good question because a lot of people stumble because they think they have to do everything, right? So we spread ourselves thin trying to be everything to everyone in the pursuit of all the customers and clients. So I think the place to start is really, who do I want to serve? Do you mm -hmm. want to serve single moms who are newly divorced? Do you want to serve people who are you know, on the verge of empty nesting? Do you want to serve people who are also business owners? Get really clear on who who it is that you're really wanting to work with and who you're wanting to serve, because that allows you to, to let go of a lot of the other clutter and the other noise. And then when you do that, you can start to get really clear on the different levers in your business that you need to pull because there's a lot of levers, right? We're wearing lots of hats, operations hat, finance hat, sales hat, all the different hats in what we do. And instead, if you're really clear on who you're selling to and what it is you're wanting to do and what moves the needle, you can lean more into those areas of your life. So one of my favorite tools to use, honestly, is Pareto Principle. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Pareto Principle. People call it the 80-20 rule. I don't like calling it that because it's not always 80-20. But basically, it says that it's the vital few. It's the fewer tasks, the things that we do that make the biggest impact. So essentially, there's a small cluster of your clients who drive the most revenue, maybe 20%, 10% who drive in 
70, 80% of your revenue. Those are your ideal clients. There are, you know, a small number of emails that you send that actually get the responses you want. So start paying attention and looking at in your business, what's really moving the needle and focus in and double down on the vital few instead of trying to do all the things. I'm not saying you're not going to go ahead and serve the other clients that aren't your top ones. I'm just saying double down on the time and the energy you're spending on those vital few. That's how you can start to get clarity and use numbers to your advantage. So when you've got all these other distractions coming in, I know I know one of the things that David does really well is he literally blocks out the stuff on, on his calendar. Like if I pull up his calendar right now, it's got, you know, blocked off time for the gym in the morning and, you know, personal stuff as well as different business meetings. For the people who are struggling with that, would you recommend doing something like that? Do you have another, you know, kind of tip that you could give individuals? Because certainly as business owners, as we've just talked about, I mean, I am not one, but I have interacted with, uh, you know, tons over the course of my career. And I think that that is a big issue is they do feel like they have to wear all the hats and they are responsible for more things and not only their well-being, but the well-being of their employees and so forth. So, uh, I mean, is, is that in line with, with you know, with, with things that you are, are seeing? Absolutely. It's protecting your time. It's making sure you have those containers of time. I call them containers because like when I picture them in my mind, it's like a piece of Tupperware, right? It's got these high walls and it's got a start time and it's got a time that you're going to dive deep and you're going to come back out the other side. So really blocking that off allows you to do deeper, better work. Now, when you have a shared calendar, some people don't feel comfortable with putting, hey, I'm going to the gym, right? Or, hey, I'm doing personal time. Mark it down as a meeting. Mark it down as a meeting, mm -hmm. even if it's a meeting with yourself. I think it's so incredibly important to block off time in your schedule before you allow others access to it. Because Bingo. the truth is, when you give people a wide open calendar, again, you haven't set your boundaries. You're saying, hey, any time that works for you works for me. Mm -hmm. When in truth, if that's not that's not going to work for you, right? So you block it off and then you say, okay, here's the spots where I'm available to chat with you or here's the times where I'm available to, to meet with clients. So really making sure that you're creating those blocks is a way of creating those boundaries and doing it automatically because you can even have those boundaries repeating those blocks in your calendar week after week after week. Every Monday, I know that I don't want to have any meetings on Monday mornings. Monday mornings are a great time for me to set the tone for my week. I set the intention. I have a few key things that I do with my team. I Nobody has access to that except for me. So Monday mornings are always blocked off. So same thing, like pay attention to when your peak productivity times are. Maybe it's Tuesday afternoon or maybe it's it's Wednesday right after lunch. Block those times out so you can really use that time to your advantage. Don't leave a wide open calendar. It's an invitation for everybody else to come in with their priorities, which means mm. your priorities get pushed to the side. You know what? That's a really key point, though. You have to think, and it's counterintuitive to the way that we're taught. We're not taught to be selfish, but I don't think that blocking time on your calendar intentionally is selfish. You're actually making yourself better for everybody else the right. rest yeah. of the day. If I was going to spin it, that's what I would say. You know, but is I'm a hundred percent selfish. It's it's not selfish at all if it means you're doing the best work. Let's be honest. If you have a, a block in your day that you, you think to yourself, this is when I am doing my best work for my clients. Isn't that your responsibility to block that time off for them so they get the best version of you? Mm -hmm. 
Same thing with things in your personal life. You know who deserves the best version of me? My kids, my husband, my friends, right? So I block off that time so they can get that best version of me. There is nothing selfish about being the best version of you because when you are the best version of you, doesn't everybody else around you benefit? I mean, Mm -hmm. I know personally, I'm a better wife, mom, business owner, boss, right? Manager of people. I'm better at all those things when I know that the key tasks are taken care of because I'm more patient, I'm more relaxed, and I'm so much more intentional. So self-care isn't selfish. We've heard that phrase before, but truly blocking off time, that's a form of self-care, making sure that you're getting work done so you're not so stressed out and burned out. Yeah, what I was where I was going with that and and why I think people could see it being perceived as selfish is I've only been in roles where I've served other people my entire life. So when I was in retail, I served the people who came into my store to shop. When I'm in insurance, you know, we serve the clients that put their faith and trust in us that we're going to cover them appropriately. And I think that because you have customer service in, in client relationships so beat into your head that that is the lifeblood of your business, that you are naturally pushed towards a direction of thinking anytime you schedule for anything other than everybody else is selfish to you, right? So let me be very clear. I don't think I'm selfish at all for scheduling my day the way that I do. I do go to the gym. I do schedule it. And if I didn't do that, then I probably wouldn't go to the gym. And I'm telling you right now, based on heredity and other factors who would suffer from that, my family, they need me to do that so I can be around. That's an easy one to do. The the hours that I block at the end of the day, just specifically to shut down and focus on making sure everything else got wrapped up that needed to get done before I left. Those are vitally important minutes and hours because that's what makes sure that I'm delivering everything to everybody else that I should be inside of, you know, that time block. And so I think for me, the issue more than anything else is I've never had a problem getting it on the calendar. Now what? Mm -hmm. Like what Mm -hmm. happens when the alarm goes off and it's time to get up for that gym block in the morning? Now I've got to now now it's execution and discipline that's going to cause that to happen. And, you know, let's face it, the 615 Orange Theory class is the easiest one in the morning to cancel. I can promise you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Going kind of going back to that idea that you were just talking about. Have you ever been at a restaurant where it's like dead? right? Like maybe you're going for a late lunch and it's three o'clock. So it's not during the peak of the lunch, lunch block, but you go at three o'clock and you get the absolute worst service possible, right? Every time you go and it's not peak lunchtime or peak dinner time, somehow the, the service is worse, even though it should be better because maybe you're the only table in there. The truth is when we have these peak times where we've created these blocks where we're in that zone, your waiter or waitress is in that zone of serving and checking in and refilling your water and doing all those things, they actually are serving you better versus when it's quiet and they're kind of you know not in that zone again. And it's the same thing for your clients. When you're in that zone, you've blocked up that time and you've created this intention that this is the time where I'm going to work on things for my clients, you're actually serving them better. So rethinking that, again, it kind of goes back to that idea that we talked about earlier that it's as simple as saying, ah, get rid of distractions, but most of it's in here. 
It's our mindset. It's what we believe. It's us telling ourselves, this is selfish. I should have a wide open calendar. I need to make sure I'm serving customers by giving them every spot possible. When the truth is you're better able to serve those customers by giving them fewer spots, the spots where you're going to be more focused on them, the times of the day where you're really on point with what you're you know, talking about. So think of it as serving people better because you blocked out that time for them. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing too is I feel like and I am really, I am really good about getting things on my calendar. Like I am religious about it. Kyle wasn't kidding. In fact, yeah. he doesn't even look at my calendar anymore. He just calls me anyhow because he knows it's probably going to be blocked when he's, when he's trying to call, but 100%. you know, it gets, I can tell you from my side of things, it does. It gets frustrating when you're trying to coordinate things with people who don't, necessarily see it the same way. Like I've got a friend of mine who wants to have some sort of a conversation with me. I know it's not life or death, but it seems to be somewhat important to him. And he's been reaching out to me since last Thursday. And I scheduled him a a call on Friday and he was under the weather and wasn't able to make it and is now reached out to me again today and sent me an invite that I had to decline quite honestly, because we're recording this podcast, which was on my calendar. So then I got another email back. Well, maybe you can fit me in. No, it's it's actually really, really simple. You know, my calendar shows you when I'm available and there are times in there. And I'm sorry if you're not available when I am, you're just going to have to look out to see the times, you know, in a couple of weeks down the road when I have more flexibility, because the reality of the matter is my calendar is usually booked two to three weeks in advance and completely full. There aren't times for me just to stop what I'm doing because somebody calls to that they have a conversation that they want to have. Now, if that person's my wife and that conversation's about something going on with the kids at school or whatever else, I'm going to take that call 10 out of 10 times, but it does get frustrating and it gets frustrating for both people. It gets frustrating for the person who does schedule their time and they adhere to that schedule and they're not really very flexible in being able to adjust it once it's set versus the person who probably doesn't have their calendar day scheduled to that level of detail. I'm not I'm not saying that, that people don't plan their day. I think a, a good bit of us do it, even if it's only in our head, but I am really meticulous about getting every section of every hour planned intentionally on my calendar. So if there's an opening, it's a true opening. I have nothing going on during that time. And that's when I can allow spillover from whatever, or I can return phone calls that have come in when I was busy or whatever else. But I do think that when you have people that you associate with professionally, that's where it's tough. If it was one of my friends, I'm going to talk to them in a different way. But if if it's somebody you're dealing with professionally, it can be a big frustration for both parts. And I, you know, I'm interested in how to navigate that. I mean, that goes back to what you were saying earlier about the, about the communication on the front end, right? Like, you know, making sure that people understand that that's how it needs to operate. And it's not because you're being selfish. It's because that's the best way for things to get done. Absolutely. So again, it's communicating when you're available, but also it's all in how you phrase it, right? I want to give you my full focused attention. So I want to make sure I have time. I don't want to squeeze you in. I don't want to try to to condense this conversation into a five minute conversation when I feel like this probably deserves 30 minutes. So I am serving you better, right? Obviously I wouldn't say it exactly like that, but that's the positioning. I'm serving you better by making sure that I'm carving out the right amount of time. So I like to tell people when they're trying to push into my calendar and I don't have 
time or they're not a priority, right? Because other people's priorities are not necessarily your priorities. Just because it's an urgent fire for them does not mean it's an urgent fire for you. And I love that you have that cognizance where you're like, this is something going on with him, not necessarily with you. So really phrasing it and saying, listen, I want to, I want to give you my full attention. Let me show you some spots on my calendar that are going to work so I can give you a hundred percent of me. I want to be fully present for you. People are most likely going to reply nicely to that because you're showing them that they're important. What you don't want to do is position it as in my time is important. I am more important than your time. So it's really just kind of flipping that script a little bit. It's no different than sales, right? Where you make it about them versus making it about you. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's that's pretty much how I would handle it. I would say, I haven't had the conversation yet, but I'm going to reply to the email shortly. Listen, you've reached out to me a number of times. I can tell this is something that's extremely important to you, which by extension makes it more important to me than just a, hey, how are you doing? That being said, I don't really have any flexibility in my calendar during normal working hours. I'm willing to go ahead and because this guy is a personal friend, in addition to professional, I told him, I said, you know, I would be willing to talk to you in the evening as long as it's not going to conflict with the bedtime rituals. Right. And so I I can be flexible in that way. (laughs) It's just, I think that it's just an interesting dynamic. You have a bedtime ritual. I don't, but yeah, my, my, it's called Does it involve spaghetti? Face, some, la- some lavender, some lavender pass out oils. Face first into the toilet or the, into the <laughs> yeah. pillow or the toilet maybe in college. But um, no, by the time my day's over, I'm going face first. And Andrea would tell you I'm out in, in 10 to 15 seconds. God like, there bless is that, man. Ugh. No, no problem. Falling I wish. Asleep here. Um, so, so Tanya, you're, you're... I, I think it's tough because we want to try and be accommodating to people and most people, if you push back, that's it. But then when somebody pushes back at you after you push back saying, Hey, well, what do you mean? You can't make it. Come on, man. Like really? Right. I think that's when it's even more important to reassert those boundaries. You yep. know, yeah, I I'm not giving up. I'm time. not, my, my boundaries are not going to cave in. They're going to stay where they're at. That's really good. I may lose I think- a friend. Yeah, if somebody pushes back on that though, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier. Like, like get out of here, bro. You, I mean, yeah. Well, you, what kind of friend are they to you? Quite right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that that's my point. Maybe they're not right. as good a friend as I thought. So, what I was going to ask. So, you said that your the most recent book was in October of twenty twenty one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and the one before that was when? October of twenty nineteen. Okay, so in between, then, pretty significant world event. Yep, slight small pandemic. I don't know if you guys are aware there was a a world event that happened. Yes. (laughs) So I'm I'm wondering what kind of things changed. Obviously, tons more distractions. Um, Just from your perspective, like what were some of the things that you were seeing differently um, or bigger challenges that people were facing? Because I can think of a few for myself. Oh. Without question, so many more distractions. I mean, for me, running a business and writing a book while I had two kids that were suddenly being homeschooled, that was a distraction, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Zoom meetings and all of that. Um, What was really interesting to me is HarperCollins had asked me, they said, you know, the first book had done really well. It was named a top 10 business book of the year by Fortune. So they said, hey, we want to do a follow-up book. We want a book, you know, what do you want to write a book about? So I said, well, how about goals? Let's write about goals. 
And so I sat down in January of 2020 and I mapped out a whole outline of what the book was going to be about with goals and all these other things. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and I didn't write and I didn't write. And I started to notice that there were a lot of these conversations happening around the world where it was like, is this all that there is? Or what's the purpose? Why am I doing this? You know, is there is there any meaning to what I've been doing? I feel like I've been filling my days. I'm filling my calendar, but I'm not really filling my soul. And I realized that whole outline I'd created, this beautiful outline that I'd organized and, you know, timelined out and everything. I had to throw it all away because that really wasn't what the book needed to be about. It needed to be about how goals are not the goal. Goals help you live the life you want, but it's really about finding meaning in the work that you're doing. How do you set goals with purpose? Because I started to realize people are saying, I've achieved all my goals, but I'm not happy. And I'm realizing that as I'm sitting at home, why have I been doing these things? So it became this mission to really reshift how the book was going to be written and really focus in on how do you figure out what are the right goals for you? How do you figure out what it is you want to do? What is your purpose? And so that was a big change, really tapping into that, because I think we came, we're still kind of on the tail end of the pandemic. There's all these questions about burnout, all these questions about returning to work and people having anxiety that we weren't having at the start of 2020 or in 2019. Mm. So that conversation has definitely evolved. And I feel like it's more important than ever that you and your team under you all understand the purpose behind the work that you do, because that's really how we find more meaning and we avoid burnout. So that conversation has definitely shifted for me. Yep. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself how unorganized I really am. And I thought I had it figured out. How do you think I feel? You're way more organized than me. That's a rabbit hole that's not on my calendar for me to get out right now. So I'm you, not have to, gonna... you have to block some time for that, David, what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll also take a lot of time blocked for that. So so here's what here's what I want to do though. Kyle, you you brought up her most recent book. Mm-hmm. Let's give some away. Let's do it. Let's give some away. The most recent one is on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone send us a picture of your calendar blocked off the first 12. Please, for the love, don't. Here are the real <laughs> instructions that I ask very kindly that you follow. Very, very basic. I give them the same every time, and I'm always humored by how many people don't follow them. Like sending me an email with no address to ship your book to. That's always a favorite. So here's what I need. I need an even an email to come to David at killingcommercial.com. And in the subject line, I want it to say on one word on second word purpose. This allows me to sort by subject because I get about 500 emails a day in that email box. We'll be able to sort them and have them all together. And then in the body of the email, give me your name and your mailing address. That's how I know that you want the book and where to send it to. That's all I need. That's it. Subject line on purpose, body of the email, name in a mailing address and I will get it out right as soon as I get the email. We're going to give away a dozen copies to the first dozen people. If you don't get a book in the mail, you weren't in the first dozen people. We'll do our best <laughs> to email you and let you know that, but I'm also not going to respond to 488 emails and I only got a dozen books to give away. So that's how that's going to go, but I want to be able to give away a, a copy of your book and if it gets as much demand as I think it will, then I'll probably pick up a second dozen because I do think it's something that's important. I think that this, honestly, what you're talking about 
is a very important topic, but I think it's a subtopic of a much broader topic that's equally as important. And that is mindset, period. Mm-hmm. You know, mindset is is by far and away the most important thing in really anything you do in life, but it is very much evident in sales for sure, because we get our tails kicked way more times than we kick tails, right? So it, it's really yeah. important for people to get their head right, get get their mind right. And you know, I you don't know this about me, but I have a, an online coaching community where I work with agents across the country to do what we do in our agency. And my number one thing, I, I tell people all the time, my first role in responsibility when somebody gets enrolled is to be a psychologist and get them to believe they can do it first. Once I get them to believe they can, giving them the roadmap is a whole lot easier than me having to fight them the entire process because they they just don't believe it's going to work or they're going to cast doubt in every way, shape or form. And unfortunately, when you're at the beginning of the journey, you know, the easiest way to solve that problem is to have them close a deal because then money fixes everything for them. They realize they can do it because they got paid. It's getting them to believe before they've received the monetary reward that validates what we've been telling them all along. And so I, you know, I'm interested, I'm going to read the book, probably cover to cover the first time I sit down with it, but I'm going to be interested in what that does for me in in terms of what it, how it challenges, how I think about mindset and what I can do to fine tune, or maybe even make broad strokes to fix some of the things that, that I deal with. I love that. I love that because it really is. It comes down to mindset is what you filter. Everything that comes in and everything that comes out is filtered through your mindset right? Whether the world is good or bad, you have great clients or terrible clients, all of those Mm -hmm. things are filtered through that mindset. So I would say a great place to start is really by changing your mindset about what you do. If you, if you were to ask a lot of your listeners, Hey, what do you do? They might say, Oh, I sell insurance, right? Or I deal with insurance. And that's not true. Think about why you do what you do. You don't sell insurance. You sell that safety, that security so that people feel good about what's happening in their personal life, in their home life, that those things are taken care of if a catastrophe were to happen. So then they can go forth in the world and do the work that they are meant to do, right? So it's so much bigger than just what you do. Dive into why is it your work matters? Because it doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care if you are cutting hair. hair Hairstylists don't cut hair. They help people feel really confident so that then they can go out and spread their message. Ditch diggers don't dig ditches. Ditch diggers create infrastructure so that we can be connected globally so that families can come together and create relationships. I really would encourage those people listening today to really think about what is it you do? Not just the what, but why it matters and start talking about what you do in those terms and how it affects your clients' lives, but also how it affects your family's lives, right? Because that's a big part of it as well. And that's a really good start in shifting how we look at our calendar, our work, the tasks that we're doing when we tie it to something so much greater than I sell insurance. Yeah, it's funny. We I, I have a, a gathering. I'm not going to call it a conference because it's not. Um, but I have an event that I put on in Key West every summer four people that are in my online community come down and we brought down um, one of the gentlemen who spoke this year, Christos Previstilis, is he talks about client experience. He he was brought up through the ranks at Disney. He ran guest services at Grand Floridian Resort. 
and all of that. And he says very similarly to you, got to know what it is you're actually selling or doing. Right. He said, you know, when he goes, when my mindset shifted is when I realized that at Disney, we were selling emotion. We weren't selling anything other than that. We were selling the emotion of happiness. And if all we had, all we needed to worry about was making sure that people paid and they were happy when they were there and that we were selling them that best experience possible. It made going to work every day that much better. And he even talks about Rolex, for example, right? You can get a watch, you could get a Timex, you could get, you know, an Invicta, you could get a Breitling, whatever. But for whatever reason, Rolex is the one people know. Now there are way more expensive watch brands out there, but right. Rolex is the one in, in Rolex dealers sell what they sell success because people who wear Rolexes get out of nice cars, wearing nice custom suits, wearing a nice watch. And people will perceive that by societal standards as being someone who's very successful. So if you can channel your thought process to sell success and not sell the watch, it's paralleled a hundred percent to what I preach every single day when I talk to insurance agents. We are not insurance salespeople. We don't sell policies. We sell peace of mind and we do that by solving problems because people need us to solve problems. That's how they get the peace of mind. When somebody has a claim, most of the time, it's the first time in their entire lifetime they've ever had to deal with this. That's when we make our money. It's not when we sell the policy and get the commission. It's comforting a family that just lost everything and letting them know that you're standing at the driveway as the house is still burning down, making sure you're going to get them a place they can stay temporarily, that you're going to get them some money so they can start getting back on their feet, and that you're going to work to get the claim resolved in as advantageous way as possible. That's what you're selling is that comfort and peace of mind, not the paper. The paper is worthless. We could even say you're selling healing, right? Because if you have peace of mind, you can move forward and heal. Because a lot of times when we have these events happen, they're traumatic and they can create breaks in, in relationships and in, and in what we're here to do, what we're put on this planet to do. So truly you allow people to heal. Peace of mind is priceless. It's so much yeah. bigger. And, and here's the thing too that I think is, Pretty interesting. I talk about this in my book. Every single person, no matter who you are, no matter your platform, or if you have a podcast or even social media, every single person on the planet has the ability to impact 80,000 lives, 80,000 people over the course of your lifetime. So you can choose to go forth and do things that are big and amazing and help people find peace of mind to 80,000 people, which is more people than will fill the, the stadium the Dallas Cowboys play in, right? It's double the population of Monaco. It's huge. So we all have this ability. So shifting how we look at how we're spending our time allows us to have our impact be bigger, to be greater and make a difference in more lives. It is not selfish at all to take care of your calendar, to focus in on creating your boundaries. That allows you to go bigger, to do bigger, to change the world, quite frankly. I don't know what else I can say after that. That's a great place to go ahead and drop the mic and call it a day. There you go. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Listen, people, we got at least a dozen of Tanya's books we're going to send out on purpose in the subject line with your name and your mailing address in the body of the email. Tanya, so much. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your day 
to, to spend with us. I know that it's valuable and it's much appreciated. Really enjoyed the conversation as I'm sure our listeners will as well. And I challenge everybody out there, open your minds and think about how you think about things right now. And maybe you can make a few changes off of just the short amount of stuff you've hear, heard while we've been talking back and forth, but really very much appreciate you uh, coming on and joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I know your time is valuable as well. My time's blocked. (laughs) 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 Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. See you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 